Hello, and welcome to show number 2336 of Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. The Reboca app basically makes use of the really fantastic camera hardware that is already on your device. And instead of, as Apple does, optimizing it to take a beautiful picture, we are optimizing the experience for vision enhancement. And that was the developer of the app we'll be talking about today, an app that she developed because of some needs that she had. Rebecca Rosenberg felt that none of the built-in accessibility features in her smartphone were designed to address her particular needs and vision disorder, so she got to work. We'll talk with Rebecca about how she started a company that developed an iOS app that helps her and others interact with and see the real world, but in a way where they can make use of whatever residual vision they have. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Rebecca Rosenberg. My tip of the week would be If you have something that you're trying to build, that you want to see in the world and that you're working towards, talk to as many people about it as you possibly can. As I've been building Reboca, I've probably spoken to more than a thousand people one-on-one about what we do and what I'm trying to do and what we're trying to build. So as many people as you can get to listen to you, and even some who you can't get to listen to you, try to talk to those people about what you're working on and and what you want to see in the world. I think that's one of the best ways to move a vision, a plan, a company, an idea, whatever it is, forward. There is no substitute for input from a variety of sources, and some of it may turn out to be good advice. Exactly. You never know who is going to come up with or who is going to inspire in you, you know, the next great idea. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by Clusive, an e-learning platform built for the blind community to learn technology, occupational, and career skills to help you reach your employment goals. More information is at www.clusive.io. That's www.clusiv.io. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Let's start by meeting Rebecca and learning about what motivated her to create the Reboca app. Hi, my name is Rebecca Rosenberg, and I am the founder and CEO of Reboca, uh, a company that's developing assistive technology specifically for people with moderate, uncorrectable vision impairments, one of those people being myself. And what is the state of your vision? I have albinism, which is a rare genetic condition that affects the body's ability to produce melanin. As it turns out, melanin is required for several different functions, one of them being the proper development and maintenance of vision. And as a result of that, I have lived my whole life in this sort of middle part of the vision impairment spectrum, where I have a lot of good functional vision, enough actually to have an unrestricted driver's license. But growing up, I still had a hard time completing a lot of visual tasks um, on my own. So things like uh, reading the board in class or following along with sporting events. 
And so what I found growing up was that there really was kind of a lack of appropriate assistive technology to help me enhance the existing vision that I did have. Everything tried to totally overpower it with things like text-to-speech um, or Braille, which are obviously all very important, but just really weren't appropriate for me. And so I started Reboca to create technologies that help enhance existing vision instead of totally overpowering it. And that's what we'll be talking about in the main part of this show. Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Underwriting pairs the impact of targeted marketing with the integrity of community goodwill. Learn more by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is the Reboca app initiated by Rebecca Rosenberg to help people with moderate to mild vision loss interact with the world around them more effectively. Well, as you said, Rebecca, in the introduction, I think it's kind of neat that you started this effort for a problem that you were facing and there wasn't a solution out there and you decided to define your own solution. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you knew enough to develop this type of app. Yeah, absolutely. So it definitely did start as something that was really just kind of about me. And what happened was I I studied biomedical engineering in undergrad. I went to Bucknell, which is a little liberal arts school in the middle of Pennsylvania. And they were offering a grant to fund a student to take on a project for the summer. And so I ended up applying to the grant, really just kind of wanting to learn more about this problem of there not being appropriate assistive technology. Again, really focused, you know, frankly, very selfishly on myself. I was like, how can I, how can I fix this for me? And I ended up getting the grant and I spent a summer really just diving into the problems, learning about all of the assistive technologies that were out there trying to understand what the problems were, talking to as many people as I could get to listen to me, and a lot of people that wouldn't actually listen to me but did stand there for long enough that I could say whatever I needed to say. And by the end of the summer, my school kind of took note of what I was working on, and they ended up pushing me out to a couple of like hyper-local news outlets. So I ended up doing a radio interview and a TV interview, again, like super hyper-local, in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania. And even still, after those aired, people started reaching out to me. They were like, when is this going to be available? How can I get it? How can I help you? And all of a sudden, it became something that wasn't entirely about me anymore, um, but was something that mattered to a lot of people. And it became very clear to me, kind of all at once, that it was something that I needed to continue doing and needed to continue working on because it was no longer just a problem I was trying to fix for myself, but a problem I actually had the power to fix for millions of people. So this was just a few years ago, by which time there was already all sorts of digital magnification available. Why was that not sufficient to fix your problem? Yeah. So as a matter of fact, I I had a digital magnifier in high school and the way that it happened was, you know, I was a I was a pretty regular high school student. Um, I had always been kind of obsessed with Apple as a company. Apple was actually my first word. <laughs> yeah, that's a true story. That was probably right around the year actually that Apple was founded. I remember receiving when I was 14 or 15 a Ruby magnifier. 
And my social worker from the New Jersey Commission for the Blind came to me and she was like, I've got this really cool thing. You're going to love it. It looks just like an iPhone. It's going to help you so much. And she kind of pulls out the Ruby magnifier and she shows it to me and she says, but you have to be really careful. It was really expensive. And so, you know, I'm 15. I'm like, oh, how expensive was it? She goes, oh, it was $900. And I was like, this was $900. And I remember just looking at this little brick that I, you know, ultimately months later still had not figured out how to use um, because the buttons were so complicated and so unintuitive. And I remember realizing that it cost $900 at a time when you could have gotten the highest end iPhone for between four and $500. And I just remember looking at that device that I could not figure out how to use and thinking, why can't I just do this on my phone? You know, it has a camera. The screen on this device is very low quality. The camera is low quality. We already have better cameras that we're carrying around with us in a, a slimmer, more portable, more discreet fashion. You know, why? I just simply didn't understand as a teenager why those digital magnifiers existed because I felt like we could do so much better with technology everybody already had. You know, it is amazing. That has been a big change in technology over the past few decades. All of these assistive devices used to be kind of one-of-a-kind, single-use devices that were made for a small audience and accordingly very expensive to develop and distribute. And now a lot of that assistive technology is built right into our smartphones. Yeah, and I think that it's so important to be taking advantage of that because assistive technology is often so expensive that it's prohibitive to the people who need it. But, you know, you can get uh, an older iPhone, you know, used for a whole lot less than something like a digital magnifier. And I think, you know, beyond just phone um, and iPad, you know, hardware that is becoming available, I think it's important to look at every new change and, and enhancement in modern technology. So even, you know, thinking about today, things like generative AI, how can we use these advances in technology to aid people with disabilities? So with all that assistive technology built into the iPhone in terms of magnification, and I know you can change some of the color themes on the iPhone, why was that not sufficient? What were you looking for that was different? So the iPhone and Apple specifically does a really good job thinking about accessibility. It's really greatly appreciated. But they think about accessibility on their physical devices. And so all of the accessibility settings on the iPhone will help you see your iPhone or your iPad or your Mac computer better. But the part where that falls short is being able to actually see the real world, which you know, up until a couple of years ago was where most of us lived most of our lives, was in the real world as opposed to on our digital screens. Oh, so you were talking that you could change the contrast and color on the applications and the display itself. But when you were using the camera to look at things in the real world, as you put it, those features were not available. Correct. Yes. So your app is called Roboca. Can you describe what the name means? Yeah, the, the Roboca, you know, name story is a little bit of a fun one. Um, so I started doing photography when I was in like eighth grade. 
And one of the really big photography techniques back then, but I think even still today, is what's called bokeh. And you've definitely seen it, even if you may not know what it's called. It's those sort of big blurry balls of light you get in the background of an image when the background is out of focus. And so reboka is meant to be a reclarifying of what is blurry or what is out of focus. Um, it does end up kind of funny that Reboka uh, sounds a lot like my name, which is Rebecca. But I I swear that that is not why you know we named the company Reboka. It really is kind of meant to be that that fun connection to reclarifying what is out of focus. And so what special features does the Reboka app have that distinguishes it from other available solutions? So the Reboka app basically makes use of the really fantastic camera hardware that is already on your device. And instead of, as Apple does, optimizing it to take a beautiful picture, we are optimizing the experience for vision enhancement. So instead of adding all of those computational layers that create a really nice aesthetic photo, what Reboka does is use that same high quality image, um, but allow you to add additional features like contrast, like exposure, like different color filters, different inversion options, so that you can basically personalize the way the world looks to your specific needs in any situation and do so on a device that is already with you so that you're really carrying zero extra things because you'd presumably have your phone with you anyway. And so what we can do is help people to navigate their way through the airport or actually see um, pieces of art or exhibits at museums or actually follow along with a sporting event when you're sitting too far away to really be able to see the ball with your own vision. It's really about what these additional settings um, and our ability to zoom a lot further than the camera app allows you to zoom, as well as our increased uh, image stabilization that really helps people achieve these independence milestones that they otherwise wouldn't even really be able to dream of. And how specifically might you use this? Can you give us an example of if you were at a sporting event, clearly you can zoom in and see the action a little closer. What other features make it nice for you to use? Yeah. And so that completely depends on the individual. Some people really just need that very high level of magnification and image stabilization so that they can actually see what's going on on the court or the field and follow along. Others may need some additional contrast so that they can identify different objects from other objects. Some people maybe are, are tired that particular day, and so they want to add a yellow hue to everything because for them specifically, that just makes it easier on their eyes. Or maybe they're in a specifically dark situation and need to add a little bit of exposure, um, which is basically brightness, so that they can see everything with a little bit more brightness, a little bit more clarity. And so what we've really done is tried to avoid what I think a lot of organizations get wrong, especially in the vision impairment community, which is them telling individuals what they need. You know, you have this disease, and so I know what you need. I, I understand. When in reality, we don't. Um, you know, every person needs something entirely different and, and wants something entirely different. And so what we've made is... Uh, an intuitive user interface that allows people to create for themselves what they need. And I think that there's a lot of, you know, dignity and respect that comes along with allowing that. 
Well, that's an interesting point. When we talk about many visual impairments, we tend to bucket people as having this kind of impairment or that kind of impairment. But in reality, there's a broad spectrum of how people see. And so you really need to customize the experience for the individual and the particular task that they're trying to perform. Exactly. And so something else that we allow people to do is set presets, which are basically, you know, if you have a class every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, and the professor only writes on the whiteboard in like green ink for whatever reason, and you set up your filters, your settings to be appropriate for you in that class, you can save that as a preset to come back to quickly and easily later so that you're not fiddling with all the settings again to like get yourself back and organized for that class. You just have that set up. That would be a nuisance. Yes, exactly. So I've seen what the screen looks like on the Roboka app. Can you describe some of the buttons that people would be interacting with? They seem really high contrast, easy to find, easy to use. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're kind of looking at the Roboka app, the buttons on the bottom left-hand corner are pretty much all of your image adjustment settings. So that's different inversion filters. So things like if you wanted to totally invert the colors, it's um, adding different color uh, hues on top of whatever it is you're looking at. So if you want everything to have a slight red hue or a slight green hue or a slight yellow hue, that's available. Contrast enhancement, exposure enhancement are available. In kind of your, your top left-hand corner are things like your settings menu, um, kind of logistical buttons. Uh, on the top right-hand side is your flash button. And so if you are in a dark restaurant, you can turn on your flash a little bit to help illuminate the menu and make that just a little bit brighter for yourself. I have also used it because um, I was fostering a black cat for a while. Oh, no. She liked to hide under my bed. And so, of course, looking in under my dark bed for my black cat to make sure she didn't escape my apartment, but was, in fact, just hiding under the bed. I used that, the flash, to, you know, illuminate her and, and confirm that she was actually in my apartment and had not escaped. So that's something we see people use the, the flash functionality for. Um, and then on sort of the bottom bottom right-hand corner are some other sort of like functional abilities. So uh, pause is an option. If you are at a restaurant and, you know, you want to look at a menu or something, instead of kind of, kind of having to hold your phone up the whole time, you can set it toward the menu that you're looking at, press that pause button. And now you have a paused version of that menu that doesn't save a picture to your camera roll so that your phone isn't flooded with, you know, a million random pictures of things, but also lets you kind of stabilize it so that now you can hold your phone a lot closer to your face and do whatever you need to do to see that better. That's also where we house the presets menu. So as you start to save presets that are appropriate for you, you find them on the bottom right-hand corner. There's also kind of a, a revert button, which basically takes you back to no filters on the screen in case you want to start over. So that sounds like an awful lot of buttons using up an awful lot of real estate. Is there a setting where you can hide all of the buttons and actually have the image you want fill the screen? Yes. Um, so if you just kind of tap once on the middle of the screen anywhere, um, all of the buttons go away. And so you can set up whatever filters that you want 
you can tap the middle of the screen, all the buttons go away. And now all you're seeing is kind of that immersive experience of whatever you're looking at with all of your settings there. Okay. Having told us how to remove all the buttons, how can someone quickly put them back? Exactly the same way. <laughs> you just tap the tap the middle of the screen again and all your buttons come back. We wanted to make that something that was really easy so that you could access the features when you needed them and also very much make them go away when you didn't need them to avoid that like extra visual clutter. So I'm curious, you told us about how this all got started and you were interested in doing this and you got a lot of interest from the press and your college was fostering the project. This clearly demands a whole lot of coding skills and sounds like a lot of effort. How did that all come together and then eventually this turned into a company? It was kind of a long journey because right around the time that things were starting to pick up, right around the time we were really starting to get attention, you know, I was still a college student. Um, I was 21 going on 22 um, and actually, it was on my 22nd birthday that the pandemic kind of hit the country really hard. Um, you know, March 13th of 2020 <laughs> was my 22nd birthday. And also, you know, when everything sort of fell apart, um, my school, Bucknell, was one of the first schools to say, you know, everyone needs to pack up your stuff and and leave campus. And so we were pretty blindsided. And that took me away from a lot of my support system that I had built for me and for the company there in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. and. It definitely took a little time to uh, get used to that new normal and also rebuild. My background is in biomedical engineering, and so I'm lucky to have had a really good, um, what we call an engineering intuition. But I discovered very quickly that there was no world in which I was a good software engineer. Um, I remember very vividly spending one full day, it was like 13 hours, in my dorm room with my laptop, trying to figure out if I could code this app, like if it would be possible for me to do it. You don't learn those skills overnight. No, you don't. And I didn't realize that. <laughs> and so I, I realized very quickly that after all that time, I could not even get like the camera to show up on the screen. And so I was like, okay, this probably isn't going to be me. This, this isn't going to work. Um, so I was lucky uh, several months later to be connected to Jacob Mandelowitz, who is Reboca's chief technology officer, uh, through a professor that we both mutually had at Bucknell. And he is a fantastic software engineer who kind of took on the challenge uh, in December of 2020. And in four months, built the first functional version of the app while I was kind of doing all of the marketing and, you know, getting people together to beta test to the technology and creating sort of our advisory board and trying to raise some initial money. He was coding away and still to this day, um, I'm thankful for him for, for doing that. Well, it does take a combination of skills to start a company like that. You can't do everything. You know, just like Steve Jobs and Wozniak, they had very different skills, but it was the combination that enabled them to build Apple. Exactly. And I, I think that based on the kind of person I know I am, if I had been in a position where I could have been the software engineer, I would have been the software engineer. And I think everything would have crashed and burned because like you said, it takes a village. Like you just simply can't do it all as one person. And so I'm thankful that I was almost forced to accept and acknowledge that pretty early on. And how big is your current village? How many people are working at Roboca? In total, um, with all of the people who work with us um, through some contractors to full-time employees, we've got about 10 of us, which is fantastic. 
Wow. Is this a full-time job for you too? Yes. Well, how did you raise money for this? We kind of went the, you know, the the Silicon Valley sort of route. Um, I was very lucky um, initially to raise a lot of non-dilutive, like grant type funding um, as a student. And so I think I raised about $70,000 in total. And that took us from absolutely nothing all the way through the development of the first version of the app, a year-long beta test of the first version of the app, and really got us to the point where we had something that we knew worked, that we knew people liked, and that we had already launched publicly, and it was already in multiple countries around the world. At which point, we moved toward a little bit more of a a classic uh, startup venture funding model where we were talking to investors and venture capitalists Well, what a great success story and a very useful product based on a need of your own that turns out to be a need for many other people. We wish you luck. Thank you very much. It's been a really incredible journey. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about the Reboca app and how to contact Rebecca Rosenberg and the rest of the Reboca team. Well, Rebecca, if people are interested in finding out more about the Reboca app and or trying it out for themselves, where would you send them? All of our information can be found on our website, which is www.reboca.com. Um, you can download the app for free um, on iOS from the website. You can also uh, connect with us and very soon information about our beta program, the C-Suite beta program, will be going up on the website as well. If people have a question, is there a way they can contact you? Yes. So there is a contact us page through the website, and that is monitored uh, by our team constantly. So we will get those. Do you have a social media presence? We do. We are Reboca Vision, R-E-B-O-K-E-H Vision, V-I-S-I-O-N, um, on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, very newly on TikTok, which is super exciting. Um, and you can also find us uh, at Reboca Vision on LinkedIn. We are also getting involved in the conversation on the R Low Vision subreddit. It's the first subreddit uh, designed specifically for people with moderate vision impairments to talk about that lived experience as opposed to just the lived experience of significant blindness. And we've had a lot of growth on that page over the last couple of years. Um, And it's a really good opportunity to connect with others um, who are dealing with similar challenges. How is this app funded? To date, we've received venture funding basically as a startup company. Um, We are just a couple weeks away now from introducing our first paid tier of service. And so basically what that will look like is an individual can pay um, just a few dollars a month for access to additional features. It was really important to us as Reboca that there was always a free version. We think it's really a health equity issue. And we wanted there to always be something people could access for free. So the free version that you have today um, is not going anywhere. But what we're doing is adding in some additional features that will just be a couple of dollars a month for access to. 
You can find all of that contact information in the show notes associated with this episode, which is episode 2336, at our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. That's it for today's show. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about the ACB community. People who are visually impaired may experience geographical and or social isolation. We'll talk with Cindy Hollis, Manager of Membership Engagement for the American Council of the Blind, or ACB, about the many virtual community events that they host aimed at bringing people with a wide range of interests from around the world together. Thanks for joining us this week. And speaking of community, we hope you'll join us next week. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.